Welcome to the Providence Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Kelly Lara. If you'd like to stay connected, download our app Providence Community from your phone's app store or visit our website at providencecommunity.org. with you all this morning to open the word with you this morning. Um, Oh gosh, God has been stirring and moving already, hasn't he? Talking about revival. We've been hearing that word a lot this summer, haven't we? We're in a tent. It's reminiscent of those, those tent revivals. Nathan has been reminding us that that word revive means to make live again, to live again. We just really need to start receiving that truth that that's what God is calling us to live again. And we often think of revival in terms of the church. The church needs to be revived, but for the church to come alive, the people in it need to really live. And so that's where God wants to take us this morning because I think some of us don't yet realize that we haven't really been living. We've been calling it life. We've been going through the motions of life, but we're just carrying this death and barrenness around in our souls. I think it's time we just get honest about it. We carry fear, anxiety, depression, hopelessness, insecurity everywhere with us. And we're so used to it, we've just kind of accepted it, that that's our heritage. We've settled into this wilderness existence, yet God has spoken these lavish promises over us. So many promises over us. This word is filled with glorious promises. And I think we've just, some of us lost hope of even ever experiencing that. That it's more of a theory than anything we can expect to encounter. But I believe that God is using these challenging days. We keep talking about we're in a season we did not expect. We're in a place that we did not expect. And I believe that God is using this season to wake us up to the more. And that's what I'm asking him to do this morning as we share this little bit of time together. He is revealing the wilderness, exposing it, our own barrenness, so that we will wake up and step into the promises. He is always good. He always has our good intentions at heart. And so he's wanting to move us in. So if we're going to move out of the wilderness and into the promises, we first need to understand that God does not create wilderness. It's not him. The enemy likes us to blame God for our wilderness seasons. How could God let this happen? He always points blame at God and the people around us. But God does not create wilderness. It's not who he is. Barrenness actually defies his nature. It opposes him. He is a God who is a life giver, life sustainer. He bears fruit and multiplies. That's who he is. And he is looking to reveal that in the whole earth. He is life and prosperity, and he is all about revealing glory. He says, the earth will be filled with my glory, the knowledge of who I am. And his glory falls where his nature is. That's what happens. So he is all about revealing that glory, revealing his goodness, revealing the life that comes from him and inviting us into that. So he will never create wilderness. He doesn't do it. It's just not him. But he will always, always enter into wilderness to restore it. Always. Wilderness exists because of the enemy's reign and influence here on earth. It wasn't here in the beginning. 
everything that God made, even on the earth, the plants, every single thing was prosperous. It bore fruit, something that could give and sustain life and replicate life. That was God's nature. When the enemy came in and took dominion, barrenness entered. Thorns and thistles grew up from the land, taking away from what God meant to prosper and offering something that instead of being life-sustaining would prick us and hurt us. That's who he is. So if we want to live in any kind of victory, we've got to stop blaming God for what Satan does. He's the one that brings death and destruction. And our wilderness places are areas where he has either wounded us, crushed us, or is presently reigning and is leaving his mark. Love has been quenched there and fear can cripple us. He's taken from what God meant to be life-giving and sustaining and crushed the life right out of it. We don't like to acknowledge our wilderness, do we? We just kind of like to live around it, do our best to avoid it. But when we don't deal with it, that wilderness grows. That's what God's been teaching me, showing me so much in this season. We, the cross offered this tremendous healing, resurrection life. And we've sort of taken a less than promise of just endurance. That we go through things, the enemy hurts us, he presses us down, he wounds us. And if we just make it through and we're still alive, we call it a victory. But then we carry all these wounds from the experience forward into our next experience. And that's not what God intended for us. The cross enables us to come out from that wounding restored. And everything that the enemy took from us replaced sevenfold. That's what my word tells me he wants to do. And so the more wounded we get, if we don't deal with the woundedness, if we don't let God come into those places, when we get wounded, we just kind of create a callus over our heart, right? We put up some kind of wall of protection, but we're saying, we got Jesus and he kept me going. And then I go to the next thing and I get wounded again. I haven't dealt with my own wound. I get, another one gets inflicted and that callus just grows. That bitterness grows. And the purpose of it is to quench out love. So we will not be free to give it anymore and we cannot receive it. And we're gonna see through the word together that love is what moves God in our midst and releases his power, which is why the enemy goes after it. He wants to crush out love. We have become the walking wounded, claiming to know a God who heals. But our lives are testifying that he's really just a myth and an illusion. And this is why Jesus can't ignore our wilderness places. He won't let us. He won't just let us accept our wilderness existence. And so he will bring circumstances around us that cause us to enter into that wilderness so that he can bring it to life. It's what he does. It's who he is. He is a restorer. So I want you to see a scripture this morning from Hosea chapter two. We're just gonna look at a couple of verses here. I'm gonna read it to you. It's God speaking to Israel after this time of adultery and turning away from him. And God is sharing his heart and the means of how he works and moves in our midst. And it's also a picture of Jesus wooing his bride to himself. And so I just want you to see here what it says. He says in Hosea 2 verse 14, he says, therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there 
I will give her her vineyards, and I will make the valley of Acre, which means trouble, a door of hope. This is God's promise to us, and I want you to see some things. Here he's saying, I'm going to lead my bride into the wilderness. In my, I'm going to allure her in and lead her into that place. But notice that it already exists. He's not creating it. He didn't make it. He's exposing it. I want to lead my bride into this wilderness place. He wants us to see it, become aware of it. He won't let us ignore it because it opposes his nature. It's keeping love quenched in us. And what does he do there? And this is what I'm so praying we'll just receive into our hearts this morning. In verse 14, he says, I'm going to bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. Don't miss this picture of God's heart. He does not lead us into the wilderness to berate us for its existence, blame us for the things we've done to get us there. That's the enemy's voice. That's the accuser of the brethren who continually, repeatedly will speak those things. This is all your fault. You don't deserve this. Bringing judgment. And that's not who God is. If we're hearing that voice, I need you to know this morning, it's not Jesus. He says, I'm going to lead you into your broken places. And there in that place, I'm going to speak tenderly to you. Speak tenderly to you. Would you just receive that into your hearts this morning? He speaks tenderly, and he loves us into wholeness. Some of you need to receive the truth this morning that God wants to speak to you. <laughs> that that's not for something for the special people. That's the heritage of every single one of us. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. He leads with love. That's how he works. Anything else is a lie straight out of the pit. That truth alone that God speaks transformed my life 20 years ago when I discovered it, when he began to speak to my heart. And the voice I heard did not judge me as I had been taught it would. He just loved me. He just loved me. And he began to open up his word and show me the truth. And there, in the safety of his heart, he began to heal me and send me on this journey that has had me perpetually over and over falling on my face before God saying, how could you be so good? If you have not had this experience with God, you are missing him. You are missing him. He has so, so much more for you. And he wants to pour his goodness, his love, his nature into our lives to such a degree that we are overwhelmed and fall on our faces. Why, God? How could you be so good? That is our heritage. That is our heritage in Christ. He says, I want to speak tenderly in that place in the wilderness, and there I will give her her vineyards. There, in that place, in that broken place, I'm going to bring fruit out of your life. It's where he overturns the nature's enemy, the marks of the enemy in our heart, and begins to reveal his own. He revives what the enemy has left dead, and he replaces it with life-giving fruit. In my barrenness of soul, I don't have anything to offer. The best that I have to offer doesn't sustain anybody. It's God's fruit, his love, his joy, his peace, his kindness and patience and gentleness. When I give that, that revives souls. That revives hearts and reveals God's goodness in our midst. Transformation occurs in the wilderness. 
That's what he does. He says, I bring you into the wilderness. I expose it to you. It's already there. But there in that place, I'm leading you into it so that as I woo you to my heart and I speak tenderly to you and I show you who I really am, what has been dead begins to burst forth with life life that gives and heals and sustains. And this is why our enemy makes us fear the wilderness. Why he wants us, we want in everything in us to avoid it. That it's a terrible place because he knows that's where transformation happens. That's where anointing pours out. This is the work of Christ. He enters into what the enemy has withered and made desolate to bring life from it. This is the mission of this church. We've been hearing it from the pulpit, right? We bring life to dead places, light to dark places, hope to desperate places, heaven to earthly places. But we need to understand I can't overturn someone else's wilderness if I'm stuck in my own. We need to let God deal with our own hearts, bring to life what is there so that we have something to give when we go in. If not, I'm just carrying wilderness into more wilderness and there's no life that happens there. That's what we see happen. We get caught up in doing the work of God without receiving the healing of God. And so we go without the power of God. Jesus is asking us, will you let me make your valley of trouble a door of hope? Revive those places. We are on the threshold of tremendous promises. Tremendous promises. But we will pass through the wilderness to enter every one of them what's happening right now even for our church on the threshold of stepping into more of the fullness of what God has we must pass through the wilderness on the way in it is not God abandoning us it is him reviving and restoring and preparing to pour out anointing that allows us to take the promise that's where we are right now that's what's happening right now in our days and we have a choice will we participate in it or will we let the bitterness Just take hold. The wilderness, turn us away from God and away from one another because that's his plan. That's the enemy's plan. It's what he wants to do. We get so angry at God when we end up in the wilderness and we just buy the enemy's lie that he isn't good, that he's abandoned us, everything's fallen apart. The truth is the wilderness always existed. God has just allowed circumstances to expose it and reveal it so that there in that place, he can reveal himself, speak tenderly, reveal truth and bring life from what was dead. I wanna share just a little bit of personal testimony with you this morning. May get a little emotional, so just ask for your grace in that. Um, I found myself in a wilderness season at the beginning of this year. Um, Before all the COVID crazy, I was there. Um, Some of you know, I've shared some in church before, the last several years have just been challenging ones. There's just been a lot of loss for my family. Lost my mom to cancer, lost her sister, lost my grandmother Alzheimer's, lost my dog to cancer within two weeks. And also just challenges in ministry um, that ended up with the beginning of last year in 2019, losing my ministry partner who had been in ministry with me for seven years. And so I just was at this place of brokenness a year ago and just found myself surrendering to the Lord and saying, God, I know you're calling me to this, but I can't build it. You've got to. So just praying for God to bring the people that would come around and help fulfill the work. And he was so faithful to do that. He began to gather as as one was lost, 
many came in. And there was about eight of us that were meeting monthly to pray. And we really needed someone to fill that role of working in the office at the ministry, particularly in the outreach ministry. And so God led me to um, a sweet lady by the name of Anel, who happens to be Nathan and Philip's mom. And she came to work for me last year. And God just used that time to restore life and revive what had been dead in that ministry. Allowed me to speak into her and help her through a time of healing and God used her to speak into me and help heal my heart. And what happened in that season was this spirit of love and community and anointing that just began to fall in that ministry. And we were just seeing God touching hearts lives being changed through prayer. Just people, every person that would walk into the building would say, like, you can just sense God's presence here. There's peace here. People that didn't know the Lord would come into the building and, and say, what, what is that that I feel? Women that, that would tell me, I, I had to take two Xanax just to get in here, but what, what is this that I'm sensing here? I, I feel calm. And we got to say it's Jesus because he began to fill that place. And so I found myself in this place of growing, being exciting about what God was doing, moving us forward. Other members coming into the team, a new ministry director that was going to be there. And then in met my dad. And they fell in love, which was fantastic. And I was watching them be healed. God just it's what he does. He just resurrects and he brings love to what has been dead. And so I'm rejoicing over that. And then fast forward to January of this year and I found out, well, yes, they're getting married. Great. And Elle's leaving. Not going to be working in the ministry any longer. And it shook me. Just be honest with you, right? God's brought these people in and things are happening. God's presence is moving. And now suddenly it just felt like the floor dropped out from under me. Simultaneously, in the same week that I found out that Anel was going to be leaving, my ministry director comes to me and says, you know, I haven't really even thought about what I'm going to do this summer. She's a mother of five kids. She's like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to come in. So the people that have been coming in and helping with the work of ministry, suddenly there was this fear they're going to be gone and that I was going to be alone again in that place and where I was just starting to feel light at the end of the tunnel of now I can finally take time to write and to teach as, as I know God has called me to, that I was just going to lose it again. And literally, it just felt like the floor came out from under me. I mean, it might seem like a small thing to you, but in that place, like, I just got rocked. And I couldn't understand it because it was literally, I don't know how to describe it to you other than, I, I know it was spiritual, an oppression, an oppression that fell and just was crushing me, overcoming with fear and the enemy's voice hissing in my ear, you're never gonna get out of this office. <laughs> You're gonna be alone. I felt absolutely, utterly alone. I don't know if anybody can relate to that feeling of being in a place full, filled with people but feeling absolutely alone. And that's what I was feeling. And so I'm, I'm struggling with this, feeling this crushing isolation. And then on top of that, feeling guilt because heck, I'm a Bible teacher. <laughs> I'm not supposed to feel that way. I teach people how to have victory over that. And here I am being crushed under it. And so I just, I knew God's promises. I believe God's promises. I'm in ministry because I know God's love, have experienced it, and I want to share it with others. 
And I'm quoting scriptures through that time. My God will supply every need according to the riches of his grace in Christ Jesus. I'm, I'm quoting those scriptures that he will never leave me or forsake me. But I just could not get free of that weight of oppression. Could not. Felt like I couldn't even breathe. And I had about three straight days where my eyes were just leaking. <laughs> couldn't stop crying. And I just, I wonder if anybody can relate to that, that we can know the word in his scriptures. We can even quote them, right? We try to do it all the time. Let's just speak the word and expect something to happen, but it doesn't. We can't seem to access the power behind the promise, the power behind it. When that happens, we've discovered a wilderness place. God is exposing something in us. And see, for the enemy to be able to take us out like that, he has to have a foothold on the inside. He cannot come at the body from the outside and crush us. We are covered and sealed. If he is manipulating us and able to crush us that way, it's because he's got a foothold somewhere, a stronghold, a wilderness place that's been in our heart that hasn't yet been touched, that is giving him ground to be able to do that. And so I begin to ask the Lord, what lie? So interesting this morning how God has brought all of this together. What lie is rooted in me? that is keeping me from accessing your grace because I've lived it before. I've lived the power, but here in this place, I couldn't get to it. And I just cried out to the Lord and just gonna be vulnerable with you this morning and share what he told me. I remember just weeping with it and I knew in an instant when he said it and I wrote it in my journal. And here was the lie that was there. He said, you're nobody's first choice and they will all leave when they get a better offer. And so as far as God had taken me on my personal journey, knowing that I was a daughter who was loved, knowing that I am cherished and cared for because of wounds in my past, wounds of rejection, things that I thought he had healed, but there was still a layer to touch, that he was showing me that rejection that I was so afraid that I was believing I, I was gonna be alone that nobody would stay because I wasn't worth staying for. And without even realizing it, I had projected it on God. So I'm saying he will never leave me or forsake me, but the lie that had caused this barren place in my heart had, was convinced he already had, that he had abandoned me, that he had left me in that place. And that's why I could not access that power because my heart was disconnected from his love. That's what was happening in that time. And during that time, a friend came to see me and we just wept together and I shared what was on my heart, what God had shown me and we just began to pray. And then she looked at me and I remember just this clarity coming to me that I had not been able to see on my own. And she just looked at me with such love in her heart and she said, God brought her to you at just the right time for exactly what was needed, right? Yes. And you know, God brought her to your dad so that they could be that for each other, yes. And she just looked at me and she said, do you really think that he would move her out and not have something prepared in place to fill the void? Yes. And see, the real question that she was asking me was, do you trust God's love for you? Do you know that you are loved? Do you know that you are loved? Because we can know the promise, but if we do not know that we are loved, if there is something blocking us from that love in that moment, we will not receive the power of the promise. We will not access it. And so 
I knew the words. I knew the promises, but I had been doubting the love behind him. It is not the words alone that unlock divine power. It is trusting the love that flows from God's heart. It is trusting the love flowing from God's heart. Truth is what accesses grace. Law does not. Law does not. And I think we've been using law instead of truth to try to access promises. But it is truth that does. In John 1, 17, we read the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a Baptist church, and we, we just loved God's word. It was, it was taught. I it was honored and truth was just another synonym for God's word for me the law of God the holy scriptures the bible truth it was just all synonyms to me and I'm going through this and God highlights this to me in his word and I see the law came through Moses truth came through Christ law and truth are not synonyms law does not equal truth God makes a distinction here all of God's words are true but the words alone fall short of truth. It falls short of truth. Truth carries more. And Jesus came to reveal the more. Hebrews 10:1 tells us the law was but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of it. And it can never make perfect those who draw near. We can quote it and quote it and quote it and we can know the words. But if it's just law, if it's just words, it will never do anything in our heart, ever. It can't. Law isn't complete, it's partial. It's why it carries no power to deliver and actually enslaves us. Jesus came revealing the true form of these realities. This was given, then came Jesus to fill what was lacking. He came proclaiming, I am the truth. And how did he come? As a demonstration of love, of love. He came as love. The law reveals God's words and ways, but truth is more. It carries the heart of the Father behind it. It carries it with it. We only encounter truth where love is present. Only. It is only found where love is present, where God's words and his nature meet together and express his fullness. And in that place of truth, that's where we experience grace. Truth sets us free. It's the law of God understood with the heart of God, releasing the power of God in a broken world. This is why the enemy is coming after love so hard because love is what carries God's power. It carries the power of the word. Law awakens, love awakens the law and turns it into truth that sets men free. It awakens it and it does that. Jesus called the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He gives understanding of God's heart behind the words. And who? how does scripture describe the Holy Spirit? The fruit of the spirit is what? It is love. It is joy. It is peace. It is patience and gentleness and kindness and self-control. That's who he is. It's who he is. Where the spirit is present, his power manifests. Where love is present, the power of the word manifests. Where kindness is activated, the power of the word manifests. Ephesians 6 calls the word of God the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit. I want us to think about that together for a moment. It's the spirit's weapon. It's not our weapon. It's the spirit's weapon. It has authority when it is held in the hand of the spirit. And who is the spirit? He is love and joy and peace and patience. And so when the Holy Spirit, when the character of God, the love of God is holding the word of God, holding 
the law of God and giving correct interpretation of it, it slays the enemy. And what we have done is we've tried to use this word apart from the spirit of God, apart from the love of God, we take it from his hand and then we become a weapon in the hand of the enemy to hurt and to wound. It's what happens. Love is what opens up the word. It is the character of the spirit in agreement with the word that release his power. God's power manifests through love. Love opening up the law and turning it into truth that sets men free, that sets men free. My wilderness place was a place of broken fellowship with God. I wasn't even aware of it. A place where love had been blocked and quenched. Love was flowing in all these other places so we can look at that and say, wow, it's good. But we've got to let him into every place if we're going to have any kind of victory. God nourishes us to something else I want you to see through our connections, through our connections. Colossians 2.19 tells us that we are to hold fast to the head, capital H head, who is Jesus, who from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with the growth that is from God. We need to understand that God nourishes us and grows us. It says through the joints and ligaments. What are the joints? The connecting places. The connecting places. How did God revive my heart? He sent a person of love to blow the wind of his spirit on me and help me to see what I couldn't see without them. It's why we need connection, which is why the enemy works so hard to divide and to separate us. Where two or more gather in my name, in the name of love, there I am. Love expressed from one heart to another manifests him. Where love is present, he is present. And the other thing that happens at the joints is movement. Movement. We need one another. We need one another to move from here to there. If not, we're just a dry bone laying in the wilderness. It's connection that God wants to take us to. I want you to see this as we close together. In Ezekiel 37, a passage of scripture, God's just been burning in my heart. We sang about it this morning. None of that was orchestrated by people having a discussion about what we're doing. God just stirred in his spirit to bring it together. But I want to read to you from Ezekiel 37, starting in verse one. And God is showing the prophet Ezekiel a work that he was going to do. And I believe we can just step into Ezekiel's place right now and just see what God is showing in that time. He says, the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and he set me down in the middle of a valley and it was full of bones. And he led me around among them and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley and behold, they were very dry, a desert place, a wilderness place where life had been crushed out. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh, Lord God, you know. And then he said to me, prophesy over the bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. We need the breath of God to live. And he tells us how it's going to happen. He says, I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. Gives a picture of what he wants to do. And I want you to see God could do it, right? 
this is what I want to do. He says, I want to make these bones live. He could, he could say a word and they do. But how he has chosen to move on the surface of the earth is for human beings to step into alignment and union, step into fellowship with him. That's a part of his image. We talk about image bearers. God is fellowship. And so he always moves through fellowship, never apart from it. And so he could just say it himself, but he says, you, son, come to me. I want you to step into this with me. I want you to join into this with me. And you speak. Nothing happens, even though God has said it. Nothing happens until the man standing on the surface of the earth steps into alignment and speaks what God has told him. And so he does. And it says there in verse 7, So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. Bone to its bone. I just want you to see something that God's just been stirring up so much in my heart. Before the breath of God could fill them, the bones needed connection. It's how he says it in his word. You need to connect at the joints. We're saying we want to catch the wind. We will not catch the wind by ourselves, a dry bone separated from everybody else. We will be nourished and grown only as we let the Spirit of God, the Word of God, revive our heart and begin to connect us to the people that we are meant to be connected with. And God will use those people to bring healing into our lives. And we will pour out healing into those lives. And as we grow together in that place, we rise together with a growth that comes from God, but he does it through the hearts of the people. The bones needed to connect at the joints. They had to leave some of them, their present positions and places to connect with their assigned bones. That's what was happening to me in that season. God had brought Anel in for a season and a time. And then he was moving her out to connect in another place that was needed for the next season. And so after that time that I had prayed with my friend and a peace just settled on me as I knew God loves me and he's taking care of it and this new faith just welled up in my heart. And instead of feeling that oppression and feeling crushed, I had this excitement in my soul because I know the word of God and I know the promises of God. And when now love is connecting my heart back to my father, that word is coming alive in me. And so I knew if God is cutting off a fruitful branch, which Janelle was, he was doing it to make it even more fruitful. So then I really get excited and I start praying, God, okay, God, okay, God, I'm gonna release this branch, but God, I am asking for the one that you are bringing that is gonna take us to the next level to do the next thing. And little did I know that in that time that I was feeling so alone and so pressed down by the enemy, God had already been stirring in the heart of a beautiful warrior over here a desire for community and discipleship and teaching in a place that she could pour into people and be poured into the very thing of community that God is calling us to create at the ministry. And we didn't even have to advertise to fill the position. God connected us to people, opened a door and brought in Jill Nelson, who is now helping us as operations coordinator at KLM and helping us go to the next level. And now who the enemy was telling me is leaving me, is coming back as a volunteer. So we didn't lose any, we gained gained. And that's who God is. That is who God is. But see, if in the wilderness we don't crush the lie of the enemy and replace it with truth, it will take us out. I could have in that time said, God's abandoned me and I'm, I'm quitting. That's what the enemy wants, right? We need each other to connect us back to the heart of the Father, to speak the truth of God 
into one another. Revive us so that we actually exit the wilderness and enter the promise and enter the promise. Nathan, I just want to speak that over you now as this wilderness season. God, it's a place of preparation and time to enter in the, into the promise and God is connecting you with the people that are meant to catapult you and bring the movement that will usher you in. I just want to speak that over you. God is so good. He is so good. But I also want you to see here that he says, the, the bones respond to the word of the Lord. It's spoken over them. They begin to move. There's this rattling. They start connecting. Skin is covering them. But then we read in the scriptures, it says there was still no breath. I think there are some of us here in all kinds of levels. We have some that are still just a dry bone laying there. There are some of us who have been responding to the word of the Lord and moving in connection. And we think, great, this is it. We're operating the fullness. But really our reality is where people that look alive, but there's still no breath. <laughs> there's still no breath. We're talking about catching the wind here, catching the wind, the wind conference that is coming. And it will only happen after we allow God to shift us into alignment, connect us with the ones we are meant to connect with, facilitate the healing and growth that is meant to happen. And then as we rise together, we catch the wind. And it ends in verse 10 with Ezekiel, again, aligning with what God has said. And he says, and I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them. They didn't just look alive. They didn't just have the appearance of life. Now the fullness of God's breath began to blow. And it said, and they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. This is what the enemy fears. This is the purpose of all this division and separation and hatred and fear that is rising in our days. He is scared to death of the army of the Lord rising to its feet, connected with one another, growing, operating in the love of God, in agreement with the word of God and wielding the power of God that hell cannot prevail against. So you and I have a choice to make this morning. Will we let our hearts dare to believe that God really is good, that he really is loving, that there really is life that he wants to pour into? And will, you, will we let him move us from wherever we are to connect with whomever we need and purpose our hearts to grow in community with one another so that instead of being on our faces defeated, we become the army that sends the enemy God is asking us, live. Will we live? Will we open our hearts to receive the life that the cross poured out? I'm tired of settling for just enduring through. I want to live. And I want those around me to live. And I will grab hold of any hand that, that is extended to me to help you step into that life. That's what God is calling us to. The enemy wants our wounds to keep us from offering ourselves because we've been too hurt. If I had let my rejection of my past keep love down in me, there would be no life flowing from this life with any impact at all. But God is good and he is faithful. And I just want so much for you to know him. Would you just pray with me? Father God, Lord, I thank you that you are a restorer of dead things. God, I thank you that you are not the creator of wilderness, but you will always enter in to overturn it and revive it. God, we are here before you, your people, broken, 
dead bones, lying in the wilderness. But God, you are sounding your voice. You are sounding your voice. God, I pray that even now, as you did with Ezekiel, I prophesy over these bones, live. Would you live? Would you open your heart to respond to the word of the Lord and live? Thank you, Father. Move in our midst. Position us to catch the wind, to love one another in such beauty, and to step in the fullness of what you have for us. Blessings upon every heart and soul in this place, God. Just pour out goodness, the water of life. Revive what has been dead and give hope where there has been none. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that this word will bring light to dark places, life to dead places, hope to desperate places, and heaven to earthly places.